You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, this is Mark Hadmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today let's talk a bit about some old school conditioning, uh, Jack Dempsey, a little, uh, few ideas from the Plains Warriors, and uh, talk a little bit about hidden conditioning. Well, this kind of was hidden to me until you know, research started revealing this sort of thing about, oh, well on uh, half a decade ago. Anyway, let's start here. Jack the Manassa Mahler Dempsey. Now, we all know he ran a hard training camp. I mean, one reflective of his, of his already hard life in logging camps. Now, amongst lumberjacks, uh, he picked up the habit of chewing pine resin. You know, it's basically the sap from a pine tree. That's, uh, uh, you know, the coniferous tree. And if, uh, you're, uh, if you've got those around and you grew up in a certain era in a certain region, uh, you know how sticky and uh, resilient this sort of stuff is. Uh, but anyway, he took to chewing this sort of thing. Now, these loggers, these lumberjacks, uh, they were a rambunctious bunch who loved their set twos, their wars, their fights, and uh, they, they said they chewed it because it made your jaw strong and increased your ability to take a punch. And we're going to come back to that in a moment for anyone who doubts the, uh, the lumberjack fighting bona fides. We've covered some of this already in the Black Box uh, Project uh, where we, you know, we're resurrecting uh, you know, rough and tumble fighting. We're going to get in, uh, even deeper into those weeds there as more and more research come together, able to synthesize uh, this material. And of course, if you took a look at our uh, battle axe secrets there you're going to see this wonderful mix in my opinion uh the practical mix of what we're actually learning from how the lumberjacks were swinging and you put it together with actual uh, warfare and life's pretty damn good when you, you mix those things up anyway back to the uh, the pine resin the chewed it said it made you, your jaw stronger take the punch better okay now Dempsey, a young Dempsey, now he had plenty of opportunity to see these fellow resin chewers at work in a tussle and decided, yeah, well that seems to work. So he carried this practice into his training camps. I mean, Dempsey was not alone in this resin chewing practice. Many an early pugilist, many an early wrestler, and actually many are early physical culturists. You know, physical culturists are the true drug-free bodybuilders of yore. We're talking about what, what testosterone is not synthesized till 1935. It's probably not being used till maybe just beginning to see the cusp of it to the late 40s, all this, but still yet we know anything up to pre-1935. You take a look at some of these hosses, that's all for real, folks. This is not even creatine. This is not protein shakes and all this. So whatever these guys were doing then, they're doing, uh, it's, it's stuff that was available to all of us with uh, no cheating involved. Now the physical cultures, they're chewing these sorts of things for an alternate reason, and we'll get to this uh, later, although all purported to be a good, a, a good jaw strengthener to take a punch, or in the case of the physical culturists, they were chewing it to say that it improves sleep and also improves posture. Now, perhaps we can get our minds around the little jaw strengthening, but you know, sleep aid and posture improver, and now stay with me. Now, many Plains tribes and other indigenous peoples across the globe had chewing habits. That is, some local food or semi-food item that was chewed, not for sustenance, but for health reasons, similar to those offered by our early boxers, wrestlers, and physical cultures. Even, you know, uh, you know balling up some strands of bamboo and allowing this to be uh, chewed on o over time. I mean, we've come a long way since this hoodoo superstitious stuff, right? All right, now, stay with me. Here we go. Let's talk about the shrinking human face. 
Now, since the advent of the agriculture revolution and the migration of uh, this human animal to cities, the human face has been narrowing. And that's whenever uh, anthropologists have measured it from cheek to cheek and mandible to mandible. Actually, that's zygomatic to zygomatic, mandible to mandible. And it's also been flattening a bit, which is measuring uh, from your front to back. That's uh, nose to occiput, which is the back of the, uh, the skull, the little bump you get back, uh, back there. And also, if you measure from the chin to the nape of the neck. So we're looking at a narrowing and a bit of a flattening here. Now, these measurements have been conducted by various anthropologists, and this narrowing and flattening holds true across civilized populations. Now, I use that word civil, and whenever we use the word civilized and so-called or primitive or savages here, keep in mind, there's no aspersions thrown out. These are just, uh, this is just the jargon that's used in this sort of uh, uh, research, and I'm just reporting as they say it. It's not uh, meant to be a value judgment. Usually, if you're going to find it, I usually side with the so-called savage side of things. The civilized, I get a kind of a leery eye on it. Anyway, we see a peak flattening uh, starting coming into around the 19th century, and then it remains so to our own uh, 21st century. Now, human beings are overall getting larger, but we, uh, when we look at proportionality, the flattening and the narrowing has remained constant. We're getting larger mainly because, well, you know, access to food sources, and we all, uh, we we pretty damn good. Just take a look around. We all know that. Now, why this diminishing of the human skull? Well, let's uh, let's go to uh, James Nestor, who reported some very interesting stuff uh, in, in one of his books, uh, Breathe. Uh, it is surmised that, quote, for the first time in history, humans could spend their entire lives eating nothing but processed food. Nothing fresh, nothing raw, nothing natural. Millions did. Over the next few centuries, food would become more and more refined. Advances in milling, that's removing the germ and bran from rice, leaving only the starchy white seed. Uh, roller mills and later steam mills uh, ripped the German brand from wheat, leaving only a soft white flour. That's uh, meats, fruits, and vegetables were canned and bottled, and all these methods extended the shelf life of foods and made them more accessible to the public, but they also made foods mushy and soft, unquote. Now, let's be clear here. Universal access to easily digested food. This is a boon. This is a blessing. There's no argument here. This isn't, let's blame all this and go back and increase where people are dying of starvation. No, 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 no. Uh, Having processed food, this is amazing. But the iatrogenic effect, which is the unintended consequence of something that's meant to aid us, uh, the iatrogenic effect of food that does not require the same work to chew or the same length of time to chew over the course of a day has their surmise led to this facial and jaw narrowing? Why? We'll get to that in a moment. Now, this same time period saw the rise in dental decay. Now, now this is due primarily to the addition of processed sugar and easy access to and hitting it all the time. But sugar does not explain the increased incidence of uh, crooked teeth, uh, sinus problems, sleep apnea, TMJ, and a host of other mandible facial-related uh, maladies. So keep in mind, if we have a, bro- uh, a narrowing and a flattening, uh, the overall uh, change in uh, breathing ability and the, uh, the sinus problems and so on and so forth, even you know, down to some headaches and the TMJ, they're saying this could be part and parcel of the problem when we have this uh, narrowing going on. And you might be saying, all right, you know, we say facial narrowing is the culprit, but perhaps this was universal for humans across the board. And we were simply seeing a rising diagnosis and not a rise in incidence. And that's a good rebuttal to make. And to rephrase that, that means, well, how do we know it's just, just, just something that hasn't happened? And we look at everyone, and just uh, over the course of a few centuries, we were just getting flatter and narrower faces. But... Here we go. Harvard anthropologist 
Ernest Hooten offered this, quote, Since we have known for a long time that savages, his words, not mine, have excellent teeth and that civilized men have terrible teeth, it seems to me that we have been extraordinarily stupid in concentrating all of our attention upon the task of finding out why all our teeth are so poor without ever bothering to learn why the savages' teeth are good, unquote. Now, that's good. You've got to reverse that causal error and find out. Sometimes we find out the uh, the root of the problem is uh, start where there was no problem and uh, see what we get going from there. Again, savages is his word, not mine, different times. But again, word choice does not render the observation useless. Now, for over a decade, starting in the 1930s, teeth airways and general health of the populations around the world were compared. Now, indigenous communities whose members were still eating traditional foods were compared to other members in the same community, sometimes the same family who had adopted a modern industrialized diet. Now, this same story played out there. Societies that replaced the traditional diet with modern processed foods suffered up to 10 times more cavities. We'd expect that, but here we go. Severely crooked teeth, and sugar doesn't account for that, obstructed airways, Sugar doesn't account for that. And overall, poorer health. Maybe some sugar there. Now, the modern diets were the same, though. All the were white flour, white rice, jam, sweetened juices, canned vegetables, processed meats, etc., etc. Now, before we jump to the conclusion of uh, thinking that I'm saying you know, progress is a sham, man, and we need to throw out all of our processed foods, no, no, consider this. When they can uh, compare the diets, all the traditional diets were different. All right, so what we're saying is here, it's not a magic diet. I mean, some of these diets were almost all meat. That's primarily north of the Arctic Circle. Other diets were far closer to vegetarian. There was no complete vegetarian diet in there, but some were far closer in the ratio there, and all the other diets fell between the two. So I repeat, there were no magic diets to account for this. The common de denominator, it seems, was the chewing. Let's go back to Nestor. Now, here's a quote. It was the constant stress of chewing that was lacking from our diets, not vitamins A, B, C, or D. 95% of the modern processed diet was soft. Even what's considered healthy food today, which, you mean, we're talking smoothies and nut butters and oatmeal and avocados, whole wheat bread, vegetable soups. I mean, that's all soft. Our ancient ancestors chewed for hours a day, every day, and because they chewed so much their mouths, teeth, throats, and faces grew to be wide and strong and pronounced. Food in industrialized societies was so processed that it hardly required any chewing at all. It's one of the reasons so many of us snore today. Why our noses are stuffed, our airways clogged, why we need sprays, pills, or surgical drilling just to get a breath of fresh air. Unquote. That's a lot of claims there, but uh, there's a lot of good science backing it up, and uh, we'll eventually get to and throw out uh, even more of the back of what Nestor's saying there. And you might be thinking to yourself, hey, Mark, that's kind of depressing. I fall into that category there, apnea or any of that other noise. I mean, we got any good news? Yeah, absolutely, we do. But first, let's, uh, let's stay depressing for just another minute or two. After the age of 30, all of us, we begin losing bone mass. Uh, women will suffer more than men due to menopause. It's just a fact of life. The body's aging. It's entropy. We're going to break down. Now, clearly, exercise can go a long way to stave off a lot of these effects, and that's why exercise has a 5X effect. No matter what's going on, if you want to go in and get surgeries, you want to pop supplements, you want to pop pills, you want to do all this, the best thing you can do, actually, is exercise. Again, that 5X, that's an exponential effect. It's just absolutely astonishing. Uh, Let's go back. We're talking about we're losing bone mass, right? Again, let's go to Nestor again to, uh, for a quote. Loss of bone mass in the jaw and face. Okay, here's what can happen. Sagging skin. 
baggy and hollow eyes, sallow cheeks, all result from bone disappearing and flesh having nowhere to go but down. As bone degrades, deeper in the skull, soft tissues at the back of the throat have less to hang on to, so they can droop too, which can lead to airway obstruction. This bone loss partly explains why snoring and sleep apnea often get worse the older we get, unquote. So think about this. Our facial bones, our facial structure, internal and external, are basically the scaffolding upon which this musculature of the face uh, resides, uh, the skin as well. We can stave off some of these effects by exercise, but the skull itself is not exposed to the stressors that the rest of the body can enjoy in the gym. Most of us go in and lift and do all sorts of things, or you know, push-ups, we're going to go to some walk, a warrior walking, but it doesn't necessarily mean uh, we've done a damn thing for what's going on in the face. And you might be thinking, well, Mark, you're bumming me out. Where's the good news? All right, here we go. Good news. Experiment time. Clench your jaw right now. Clench it hard, hard as you can. Right, now reach up, feel those masseters, those two hard lumps of muscle along the jaw head. Squeeze again, feel, them, feel how much those tighten up. All right, relax. Now clench it again, and this time watch clench. Feel that sensation throughout your skull as more than your masseters seem to be engaged. Whenever you um, tighten that jaw up as t uh, tight as you can, it's just not that jaw being engaged. You're actually pulling on the entire uh, the, the cranial structure. Uh, what is this additional engagement you're feeling? Well, your skull sutures. These are the cranial equivalents of uh, tectonic plates. Let's go back to another quote from Nestor to illustrate what we're talking about. Quote, these sutures spread apart throughout our lives. The spreading allows the skull bones to flex and expand to double its size from infancy to adulthood. Inside these sutures, the body creates stem cells. These are amorphous blanks that shift form and become tissues and bones depending on what our bodies need. Stem cells, which are used throughout the body, are also the mortar that binds the sutures together and that grows new bone in the mouth and face. Unlike other bones in the body, the bones that make up the center of the face, called the maxilla, is made up of a membrane bone that's highly plastic. The maxilla can remodel and grow more dense into our 70s and likely longer." Unquote. So we're losing bone mass elsewhere from our 30s on, unless we get some exercise in there, but the maxilla can remodel well into our 70s. So get this right, we can engage and signal stem cells to build more maxilla bone in the face by engaging the masseter, by clamping down on the back molars over and over, that is by chewing. Quote, here's Nestor again, the more we gnaw, the more stem cells release, the more bone density and growth will trigger, the younger <laughs> we'll look, and the better we'll be able to breathe. That's huge right there, unquote. So keep in mind, when we're talking about just the chewing, we're just not talking, sure, there could be some aesthetic appearance to it. We're not going to completely stave it off, but there could very well be a lot going on as we stay on our soft processed food. The older we get, sometimes we see people going further that way. That's not the way to go. Now, this all brings us back, we think about we're actually uh, baking denser, thicker bone. Let's bring it back to Dempsey and his pine resin. Uh, it did indeed do what the lumberjacks told him it did. It strengthened the bones of the face, allowing you better able to take a shot if you had to. The common denominator in skull atrophy is the ease of chewing. The common denominator in non-atrophied indigenous skulls was, again, not a magic diet, but time spent under load, just as an athlete in a gym. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, man, do I got to get a hold of some pine resin? No, not necessarily, let alone the, like the, with our modern dental work. I've got to rip it right out. 
uh, we can do some things about this. We can simply choose to chew. That is, when confronted between a soft food choice and one that requires more work, we'll pick the work. Actually, here's something that I do that's just uh, kind of stealing it from a Dempsey idea without actually me having to get some pine resin. I call it just the double gum method. During each of my unleaded training sessions, what's unleaded training? Well, that's all the physical conditioning training, exactly like this sort of thing, trying to dig up these old hidden secrets from the past. Uh, pre-1935, put them together in a synthesized form and let them go to work. As Hell has been working marvels with this 57-year-old chassis, and I'm pretty damn pleased about it. And I love how deep in the weeds it goes where it's just not the so-called things you think you look at and go, oh, this is how this is done. Every single thing seems to have been thought out ahead of time. But anyway, double gum method. During each unleaded training session, I pop not one but two, sometimes three, pieces of sugarless gum, and I chomp away until that day's session is done. It's my kind of my lazy man's way to appropriate some of that Dempsey jaw toughening. Now, if we think of the jaw and facial bones as the scaffolding upon which the visible uh, face must support itself, not only do we improve chances for cl uh, clear breathing, which increases performance, right? It decreases anxious and depressive states because often it's just act uh, oxygen uptake, which uh, can lead to a mood spiraling thing. And sometimes we're thinking, oh, something's going on with the world. It's all these other things. Actually, sometimes it's just uh, poor breathing patterns. So let's uh, make sure we've kind uh, of seize as much good as we can. And also, it can kind of keep our aging skin a bit less saggy for a wee while longer. It's not a fountain of youth, but it can help a little bit. And actually, we just may be improving our evening sleep. Now, one more thing. You got to chew that gum with your mouth closed. This mouth closed thing is a universal from both the Plains tribes, the physical cultures of yore. They would say, never, ever chew with your mouth open. Why? Yeah, we'll discuss that later. Oh, and what about the, the physical culture's claim that it improves sleep and posture? Does that hold water? Well, it turns out it does. And rebuilding of your posture may not be what you think it is. Well, I know for me, it definitely is not what I thought it was. And another day, we're going to make that into a, a black box exclusive, exclusive. I can't give away uh, the cow. We give you a sample of milk right here. And eventually, also, we're going to be taking some uh, aspects of the podcast to a Patreon form as well as for the blog. Because uh, my business manager says, giving too much good stuff away. And I'm going, all right, well, I'll, I'm going to listen to some wiser minds there. But for what it said, there's some milk. Hopefully you found something interesting in there. Uh, I'm going to provide a link to this. Uh, you can take a look at a print version of it if you'd like to. And also the link over to the our website, the Black Box uh, Training Warehouse, if you actually start to like to pick up some uh, resources and go to work doing this stuff for yourself instead of listening to my old voice yakking at you. Uh, take care of yourself, crew. Maybe Seattle. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, ExtremeSelfProtection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. Mm -hmm.